Welcome to the Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. Thank you for your service. Welcome back, everybody. It's great to be with you again for another amazing week and another awesome interview. And this one I'm really excited about. I mean, I know I say that all the time, but this one I really, really enjoyed sitting down with two people from Hunter 7 Foundation. Uh, a lot of people know this organization. They're doing great things for the veteran community, uh, toxic exposure research, legislation, healthcare, just getting out into the community, making sure people understand their exposure. That's their big tagline now is understanding your exposure. So if you're a veteran out there and you question whether or not you are in contact with something that may be making you sick, these are the people that are really out there trying to help you. So Chelsea and Keith, who sat down with us, uh, just did an amazing job. It was a great conversation, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy uh, this week's interview. Uh, before we get to that, we got a couple little things going on. The 5K, Bulletproof Veteran 5K, we have a date. It's going to be July 10th. Um, obviously, everything's a little tentative right now. Because of COVID, we want to have an in-person event to go along with the virtual event that will be taking place, which will allow everybody across the country to run, and even, hey, across the world, um, to run and to donate to the, the amazing organization One More Wave. But we really want to have an in-person event, kind of a way to like kick off a little bit of freedom and kind of coming out of this whole COVID thing. Um, so I'm still nailing down some of the stuff. Being in New York, the restrictions are still out there, and a lot of these venues won't do any type of event because they're obviously worried about liability and things like that. I totally get it. Um, I think I have a venue, and you know there'll be more to come on that, but I really am shooting to hold tight to that July 10th for this run. So mark that on your calendars, folks, because I want everybody to participate in this one. We want to raise as much money as possible to make sure that we can completely outfit one of One More Wave's riders, okay? We want to go soup to nuts, wetsuits, board, any type of specialty equipment that that rider might need. We want to make sure that we can do that. I'm working out the swag right now. I have a... Um, T-shirt company. It's actually a uh, law enforcement-owned T-shirt company that's uh, helping me out with the uh, the design and the T-shirt and making it, uh, you know, as cost-effective as possible so that the most amount of money goes to the charity. Uh, so hopefully that all kind of works out and, and you guys will get a cool T-shirt out of it as well, maybe a sticker or something like that. Uh, I'm also looking to do some type of a like maybe one-mile fun walk for uh, parents with kids, uh, if you want to walk with the kids uh, to support instead of running the 5K, it's another option that I want to put out there for everybody. Um, and especially if you're going to be at the, um, the in-person event, if you want to bring the kids along and you want to do a little walk, uh, you know, it's going to be July, the weather's going to be beautiful, so uh, we want to have that option. You know, maybe one of the parents is running and the other parent and child can walk, however it works out for you. So, uh, again, just another option that we can uh, we can give out to you guys so that you are a part of this event. I'm really excited. Uh, I think it's going to be amazing. And like I said, it's a great way to kind of kick off the whole freedom thing and getting back uh, to a little bit of normal. Uh, speaking of getting back to normal, I got my COVID shot today. 
And I want to give a great shout out to the people that were running the um, the whole process of the place that I went to today. It was through Stony Brook University Hospital. Um, I, they're the ones who took care of me during my heart attacks. And because I have a comorbidity, I was able to get on the list for the shots, especially here in New York. They're kind of hard to come by. Um, so I was very lucky, and I did take advantage of it, and I went. And let me tell you, the people that were running this show, they did a great job. They kept the line moving. They were doing over a 1,000 shots today at this one venue. And, man, they kept everybody moving, kept it very organized. You knew exactly what was going on. Uh, they explained everything to you. They explained when you had to come back, all that stuff. So shout out to the people that were running that Stony Brook um, University hospital uh, COVID vaccination. Really just a stellar job, so I appreciate it. And I got one more to go, and then I'll be uh, vaccinated. So uh, that'll be a good thing. And uh, hopefully everybody out there is uh, getting lined up for theirs as they open it up to more and more people. Um, we can kind of get this past us and, and, like I said, just start getting ready to enjoy life and get back to just everything that we love. So hopefully uh, that that happens sooner rather than later. Um, not much else going on. Uh, you know, it's the same old stuff. Uh, we're, we're working hard on this end. We're keeping it uh, interesting. We're getting as many interviews as we possibly can out to you guys. Um, I, I'm lining them up left and right. So uh, I hope you enjoy as they come out. Uh, the studio is coming along. I'm actually sitting in it right now with the new desk and the new backdrop and logo and all of that. Um, Hunter 7 and the interview after Hunter 7, that video uh, is still the old studio. I'm hoping that the one after that will actually be the new studio. And this way, everybody can see it. I also will be putting out some video of the work that we were doing along the way with the table and the epoxy table that we did. So that you guys can kind of see what we were doing. Uh, and I hope you guys like kind of the before and after. So, you know, that'll be on the horizon as well. Um, you know, as always, follow us on Instagram, Bulletproof Veteran, uh, Facebook, uh, Bulletproof Veteran Podcast, Twitter, Bulletproof underscore Vet. You can find us on Rumble and YouTube. Always check out our videos there for the interviews. All our interviews that we video will be up on either YouTube or Rumble, most of the time both. Uh, so please check those out if you like to, uh, you know, uh, see the show that way. Uh you know, we're on all the podcast providers. Please leave a review, um, comment, something like that. I, I love the feedback. I love to hear from you guys. So please, um, you know, subscribe, like, leave comments. It's a great way to interact. So I hope, uh, you know, that uh, that you're doing that and is the best way to support the show. Um, if you would like to send in show ideas, uh, bulletproofveteran at Gmail. You can send in ideas, critiques, anything like that to that email. If you need more information about one of the guests that we've had on and you can't remember exactly their information or you just want to ask a question, uh, you can shoot it over that way too. I'll get the uh, information over to whoever you want to talk to and I can try to hook people up. All right. So uh, just a great way to get in contact with me. There's also a contact form on bulletproofveteran.com. That's another way to get in touch with us. And bulletproofveteran.com is going to be a great way to get information, especially as we get close to the run. Uh, a lot of the information and links and stuff will be on the website. So definitely check that out 
and you can see um, you know old episodes, stuff like that. You can listen to them. There's a player right there. Um, there's descriptions of each episode, all that kind of stuff. So you can go there and uh, get all of that as well. I think that's it. I think I talked about everything I had to. I don't want to take anything away from this interview because you guys are going to love it. Chelsea and Keith are great. Hunter 7 is an amazing organization. So without further ado, let's get to this week's episode. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. We got a good one for you this week. You're going to be super excited. All right. We have on the show two representatives from Hunter 7 Foundation. We have Keith Dow and we have Chelsea Poisson. All right. We're going to be just talking everything toxic exposure. We're going to be talking about how Hunter 7 Foundation has just been kind of leading the charge in research, which I think is such an important thing. They talk so often about all these different organizations that are trying to help in the toxic exposure world by going to Congress and all this other stuff. But what is amazing about to me about Hunter 7 is these are actual doctors, nurses. These are people boots on the ground doing the research and trying to figure out what's going on and why veterans have the weird ailments that we do. Um, and then tying it to some of the places that we've been. Um, so, again, Chelsea, Keith, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, definitely. Um as we usually do on the show, Keith, you've been on the show once before, um, so you kind of have the gist of this. But uh, Chelsea, we usually just do a quick introduction so that we know a little bit about you and you know, kind of how you got involved with all this and, and where you kind of came from. So uh, we'll start with you, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, I started off, um, my life was pretty much, hey, I'm going to join the military. That's going to be my career. I was never really good at school. Um, didn't really pay attention, you know, uh, I was very active growing up varsity sports. And so military was my career. Um, I was accepted to, uh, a military academy right out of high school for some weird reason. I was like, this is too strict for me. So I dropped out and I, uh, enlisted in the military, enlisted in the army. Um, I did that for almost a decade, <laughs> um, various positions, uh, throughout the ranks. I was, um, probably one of the only E5s at the time in charge of an aviation platoon. Um, it, was a, it was a good time. I learned a lot, did a lot, saw a lot. Uh, but the biggest game changer was when I got hurt. Uh, I hurt my back that required a, a spinal, it was a severe spinal cord injury that required immediate surgery. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, afterwards I was like, okay, I'll just start exercising again and get back in shape. No big deal. And my, my neurosurgeon was like, you know, you need to, you need to get out, you know, you can't, I'll see you again if you keep doing this the way you're doing it. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. And so I just kind of kept going with it and he was right. Um, I was actually doing burpees one day and my spine where they had done the surgery pretty much caved in and the disc completely slipped out and my two spinal columns kind of hit each other. So I was like, Oh, Damn. okay. Can't move. <laughs> um, it was, it was awkward for me. Uh, and it was the first time in my life where I felt like I, I didn't know what was going to happen because that's when I knew I was going to get med uh, medically discharged. So, you know, fast forward, I'm at the VA, the VA doctor said to me, and that didn't really ma matter to me then because I was so upset, but he said to me, just because you're out of uniform doesn't mean you're done serving. And I was like, okay, 
you know, whatever. And it always kind of stayed in the back of my head. So on my way out, um, I was like, well, I got to find something to do. You know, I can't just sit here and do nothing. So as a medic, I was like, I guess I'll go to nursing school. (laughs) So at 26, 26 years old, I went to nursing school. It was a very hard transition because I, you know, I couldn't yell at people. I couldn't expect them to do things that they were supposed to do for, you know, the overall benefit of the team. It was very individualized. It was, it was an awkward thing for me um, that took a lot of adjusting, (laughs) but I'm thankful for it. Um, And so I went to school. I was probably, it took me about three years, three and a half years to graduate undergrad with my bachelor's in nursing. I graduated with uh, college honors and also the only one to graduate with departmental honors for research that was published internationally on Iraq war veterans. Very cool. So I was like, I'm just going to keep going back to school, you know, and try to help the veteran community. So that's where I'm at now. Uh, Full-time student. I work part-time in the ER, part-time in clinical research for infectious diseases for Regeneron, the uh, the new COVID monoclonal antibody drug. I'm the chief um, nurse research lead for that. So I keep myself quite busy. I was going to say, it definitely sounds like it. That is not a, uh, well, just being a, I mean, just being a full-time student in anything that's medical is mm-hmm. a lot. And Keith, I know you, you're going to school for social work. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you understand, I mean, anything like that, you're, you're putting in the hours. It's not like you can just kind of phone it in. Hey, I'm going to go to business management. Nothing wrong with business management. If you like it, Hey, great. Good for you. But uh, my bachelor's is in business management. I wrote every paper without even looking at the book. You, you don't have to. There was no memorization. I could just write crap. Oh, you want me to make up a company and manage it? Sure, why not? This is great. Nice. Your guys is what you were doing takes time. So to have Hunter Seven Foundation, to have the two part time jobs on top of it, you're probably a busy uh, woman. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> just to say the least. Well, thank you, Chelsea. I, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, thank you. Keith, for anybody that didn't catch the last episode with uh, Dead Reckoning, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll skip my, my military stuff and, uh, and Dead Reckoning and stuff because I'm wearing a different hat today. But, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about it, I think. Um, but fast forward to 2019, um, I went back to school. I had done a bachelor's in human services, um, which is a little bit more uh, law enforcement, criminal justice focused. Okay. Um, and um, I did not want to go that route for, for a few reasons. Um, so I started looking at uh, options for grad school and, and you know, second careers and stuff uh, while I was working security at a hospital. Um, during that time, I like, while I was working in a hospital in that capacity, I had, it definitely wasn't like checking doors and writing parking tickets. We like, we were fighting all the time. Um, which is another reason I did not, I was like, man, I'm super over this. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, hired meat hammers for a living. I can't do it. Um, but I found that I was still, while I was still really good at fighting, uh, I was also still really good at de-escalating and interacting with the public and interacting with patients and stuff like that. Um, and that's also where I kind of got more exposure to the clinical side of the world, um, where I had no exposure to that before. Right. Like, you know, as, you know, as an MP in the army, I didn't, uh, I didn't work in clinics. I didn't, 
do a lot of that, but I enjoyed talking to people. That was like, that was, you know, the only part, if, if there was a part of my job, like on the law enforcement side of it, uh, that I enjoyed about being an MP because I really didn't enjoy very much about it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was definitely like being able to engage with, you know, everyone on a post, um, and not be a dick about it and to be able to, to build that rapport, right? Like, you know, instead of like laying charges, like I would have a first sergeant on speed dial and like, like, sorry, boys, sorry, I had to go that way. But like, this is way better in the long run than, you know, everybody getting hauled in and like us, us throwing blows and stuff like that. Um, and ruining careers. Like instead you just get the shit smoked out of you in the quad and that's, that's done. (laughs) Right. Um, that was I, back like, when the military was good though. That was back when it was like a real true. Yeah, thing. I don't know how much more they do that now, but um, but that was the way that I like to operate. So one of my good uh, buddies is a first sergeant and he deals with it all the time. Yep. It's not easy because now the time of hey, let's just go behind the shop and we'll deal with this doesn't really yeah. exist that much anymore from no, what I from from what he tells me. LT anymore. Like yeah. it can't, you know, the, the old way is pretty dead, but but yeah. when I was in it was still still had like a couple breaths left in it. So, um, so I did like that. I'd liked, and, and I liked, you know, I mean, there, I went to a lot of shitty calls. I dealt with a lot of domestics. I saw a lot of child abuse, child neglect. Um, I'd have a tough time. The military houses, the dirtiest people in the world physically and, and, you know, socially, like just, it's, it's a place where, you know, some people come to serve and give back. And then it's also some place, sometimes like a place where uh, people go to because they have no other option. And it's also a place where, you know, you can just go in. It's not like college where you have to apply. Like, you know, the, the, the bar is pretty low for some jobs and some people slip in. So, you know, you can thank, thank people for their service all you want and they're, it is well-deserved. However, not everyone that serves in uniform is a saint, right? Um, it's, it's what so. I say all the time about politicians when they say vote for a vet. And I'm like, I know a lot yeah. of veterans you don't want running this country. <laughs> trust me. Yep. <laughs> vote for a vet shouldn't be your only qualification because there are some dirtbags out there for sure. <laughs> that I, I served mean, with. <laughs> and there's, I mean, and like I said, there are, there are many upstanding individuals, of course. In uniform, but like, but that's, I think that's a common misconception with like, you know, that, that valor seeking thing is that there are, you know, there are, there are people that are not great in the military too. And those installations are full of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I got exposed to, you know, some things I had seen like throughout my, my childhood and adolescence and stuff that and revisited like during those calls and like, and that kind of sucked, but it, again, it exposed me to, you know, the ability to help people. Um, but at that time I didn't see any, I, I didn't think like, Oh, when I get out, I'm going to go to nursing school or, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, do uh, a degree in like mental health counseling or anything like that. I did not think I was smart enough to go back to school. Uh, that was not in my, that was not in my plan. I was like, I'm going to pick up a trade. I'm going to, you know, swing a hammer. Like I want to just do something where I don't have to interact at all. Fast forward. Um, I'm sorry, rewind to before I finished that bachelor's degree. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't like, I like building shit. I like, you know, I like working with my hands, but I'm like, I can't do it for a living. I actually have to do something service oriented, you know? Um, so Working at the hospital uh, kind of gave me that exposure again, where I was like, I definitely can't fight for a living anymore. Like, my body's gonna wear out. Um, 
you know, I would get in like a good scrap and I'd be like screwed for a couple days. Like, yeah. um, we'd win for sure, but like I'd pay for it. Um, and it just like, it just wasn't working. So, uh, cause there was a lot, there was a lot of hands-on, like, um, it was almost every day we were going hands-on. So, um, you know, when you're 30 plus, like, and you've already done a whole bunch of stuff like that, it's like, it definitely starts to wear on you. Uh, so I started thinking about that longevity and stuff, um, aggravating, you know, things that I already had diagnosed and stuff like that. And, um, and so I started looking at school again and being in that clinical environment, I'm like, man, like I could do something like this, but I'm like, I don't want to go back to, you know, I don't want to go to nursing school. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to do another bachelor's degree and all that. Like, that's going to take way too long. So I started looking at different graduate programs um, based on what I had seen. And I started looking at like mental health counseling. And then I ended up settling on a uh, master of social work just because it's, it's so much more versatile. Yes. So, I mean, and if, you know, my work with Hunter seven is a perfect example of it, uh, where I'm, I'm doing a whole bunch of different things, um, because I'm in my generalist year. So just, and just to explain, so what I'm doing right now is, uh, I'm actually doing my first field placement. So it's a 32 week, um, field placement where I do, um, you know, two days a week with, which sometimes turns into more than two days a week, uh, <laughs> with, with Hunter seven, I try to keep those office hours, but if shit needs to get done, shit needs to get done. So, um, and it's been really cool. Like it was a really, really good opportunity and it, it developed like super organically. Um, and I'm a pretty firm believer in like everything happens for a reason. And there's some sort of plan or no matter what, you know, what you believe in like shit you know there's an explanation kind of for everything and due to covid uh i could not even get an interview with anyone because they weren't taking students where right. i am so they're like yeah we're not and you know that's kind of the norm everywhere like even if you're back to work they're not taking students because it's added liability um, it's, you know, it's one more person. It's one more person. They have to worry about bringing stuff in. It's yeah. one more person, you know, they have to, they have to worry about caring for and, you know, whatever. So, um, that was difficult and I was getting no, no, no in all the emails I was sending out. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I literally just want to work for you for free and like learn from the people <laughs> that, that, you know, I need an hour a week from an MSW that you have, and I will do all kinds of busy work for you, you know, like, um, or just sit there and listen, like, I'm really good at that too. Uh, and, but no one could take on that, that responsibility. So, um, so we started uh, communicating with Hunter seven. And then um, I think it was Paul who I was talking to who, was like, yeah. And I, you know, I offered, I said, Hey, like, you know, I'm by the way, we were talking about a whole bunch of other stuff um, surrounding the book and all that. And I said like, Hey, by the way, I'm doing my MSW. If you guys ever need any help once I'm done with that degree, let me know. Um, Cause you know, I'd love to extend a hand. Like, cause I just saw that there was an MSW on staff. Uh, but I think it was only one where there were like, you know, six nurses, you know, a bunch of doctors. I was like, Oh, there's only one MSW. So that'd be cool if I can contribute it in that way. And he was like, yeah, for sure. If you ever need an internship, let me know. And I was like, actually, I have a week to find one uh, before I have to talk to robots on computers for, you know, for my virtual field placement instead. And I was like, and I really don't want to do that. 
and I was literally out of course. I had already delayed it a semester because I was out of courses because I was going through some family problems. So I was like, it was uncertain. And I was like, coursework is a bit more secure than, than a field placement. Of course. So I had already delayed it and I was out of courses that I could do. I think I could have done one this semester. So um, it's, I was out of courses that I could do that would, would it allow me to, to delay that. Um, so here I am. Now I'm doing my field placement with Hunter Seven. So like day to day, I deal with um, you know clients and inquiries. Uh, Everything taken as client um, for <laughs> for uh, you know consults and stuff like that. Um, sometimes people just need advice. Um, mm-hmm. I CC Chelsea and everything so that I don't say anything stupid that she can't correct. And then uh, and also just learning as much as I can. Um, you know, one of the things that I've like, I, you know, the first week I was like, Hey, uh, Chelsea, send me literally everything that you have on, uh, toxic exposure so that I can read. Um, so I've been digging through that, but I also like, um, you know, I try to do like independent learning on the side of it as well. Um, so I'm reading this book, um, called scorched earth, uh, about agent orange right now and kind of trying to draw parallels. So, um, so we all stay super busy and then I'm, I do, it sounds um, like it. <laughs> so Chelsea's Chelsea's my boss. And then, uh, Paul no. is, uh, <laughs> is no Meg's the boss. Um, Meg is the boss. <laughs> and then, um, and then Paul, uh, who is the, the MSW, uh, liaison is, um, is also doing my field instruction. So like an hour a week, um, I get on the phone with him and talk about it. But what's cool about all this is that like, because of, because I'm not in Rhode Island um, and where pretty much everybody is based out of or Massachusetts, I'm able to do this remotely. Whereas like before COVID, the school wouldn't have allowed it. Right. You have to be on site, but because they've made all these adjustments, I'm able to do it, which is super cool. And that's what I was kind of talking about. Like everything happens for a reason. So thank you world for enduring the Rona. <laughs> So that you could do this. So that I can do the field placement with Hunter. There you no. go. There you That's go. It. See? That's it, man. He, Let's go. He definitely doesn't give himself enough credit though, because I mean, like, like we we've he's helped organize so much in terms of like I'm very analytical, I'm very uh clinical. And Keith is more like, hey, listen, people don't understand what the hell you're talking about. And I'm like, that makes sense because it's a lot of like crazy numbers and yeah. words and half of them I can't even spell. And so like the way he does it, I throw a ton of stuff at him and it's like a funnel, you know? And he's like, okay, let's, let's break this down. And it's exactly what I need, you know? Um, and it's what benefits the overall community because not everybody wants to hear about, you know, uh, your metoprolol and your beta blockers and your calcium channel blockers. Nobody cares. You know, they want to know who, what, where, when, why, how, right? And so like, he's done amazing things with that. Um, Partnerships wise, you know, finding places for veterans to get treatments. um, That's been huge. Um, And then speaking with members of Congress, that's a lifesaver because, you know, I'm very, you know, you know how it is, you know how politics are. Um, (laughs) So he's a lifesaver. That's been a really cool side of it. Cause that's, and that's a, like, that's a side of social work that like, you know, in my seminar course, like there's only one other person who's doing any kind of legislative work. So like being able to directly, and I mean, and I think what she's doing is definitely not meeting with legislators. Like it's, it's much more, you know, on the backside of it. So it's pretty cool that I'm able to, to participate in that kind of stuff and, you know, jump on zoom meetings with uh, legislative assistants and stuff like that. 
and, and, and literally create policy. It's yeah, yeah. And you, you actually, Keith, if you wanted to even see that side of it, it sounds like this was the year to be a part of it because as Hunter seven just posted the other day on Instagram, um, it is actually one of the initiatives for the uh, Veterans Affairs Committee. Committee is yeah. toxic exposure. Yeah. So they yep. are supposed to be doing stuff. Now, do Absolutely. I have a lot of trust in our government? Yeah. <laughs> but they're supposed to be. This is something that they're actually supposed to be looking at, and it seems like it's starting to get some traction. It really does. You know, when yeah. you see, you know, the Stronghold Freedom Foundation, Chelsea. You know that I've, oh, I've yeah. spoken to them. They just got their last bill introduced, which is the K2 Care Act. And so they're looking to get uh, presumptive um, care. You know, so basically the way I understood it, and you might know better than me, that basically if you served in K2 and you have one of the um, uh, diseases or uh, uh, conditions that are caused by one of the chemicals that were there, you don't have Mm -hmm. to show service connection if this gets passed. Right. That's huge. It's huge. And so one of the crazy things about that whole situation, I didn't even know we were in a place called Uzbekistan. When we invaded uh, Afghanistan, I was 11 years old. Okay. And Ooh. I think we were in Afghanistan from, two, or from uh, NK2 till 05. Uzbekistan till 05. Yep. So I was 15 years old when we left. So when I talked to Sarah and I talked to PJ and they told me about K2, I was like, what the hell? Where, What's where is this? You're talking, about, the ski, like you're talking I've, about mountains? I've, I've heard of K1 in <laughs> Iraq, but I was just super. So come to find out, one of the females who was like instrumental in creating this whole uh, Stronghold Freedom Foundation and pushing forward this legacy was actually a resident of the town, the small town I served uh, in the ER at. Oh, cool. And so while I was trying to implement this screening protocol in the ER, she actually lived like a block away and was fighting for the same type of idea. So when I saw it on national news, I was like, I know, I know that place. I was like, I worked there. <laughs> so it was, it was very, um, it's just such a small world, Yeah. but it's such a big issue that affects so many people so differently. And, and, you know, thankfully that's where we differ in the sense that, you know, the medical terminology is, is so it's heavy. It's definitely heavy and it's boring and, you know, except people like me, I'm like, I love, you know, the Krebs cycle and ATP, you know, I love it. It's so much fun. But a lot of people don't care. And I got that because half the time I don't care. But when you have a presumptive condition, you know, if you don't have a diagnosis, and that's the biggest thing that we're seeing, we're seeing the lapse, the, the lapse of diagnosis, you know, people are coming forward with all these different issues, but nobody really knows what's causing the issue. You know, we, 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 uh, we have that tertiary type of healthcare system where you treat the cause and right. not the symptom, yep. you know, so And that's the biggest thing. That's my biggest bout with presumptive conditions is I completely agree. 100%. You know, that stuff, whatever's over there, that black goo, that, that nasty place in K2, you know, that's going to make you sick, but it's like, like we spoke about before we jumped on this podcast, I look at you and you look fine. You look healthy. You know, I would look at you if you came in and said, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'd be like, nah, you're fine. (laughs) You know, you know, I would. So, I mean, it's really hard to, to create like presumption is like down the line, you know, but if you don't have that diagnosis, there's no way you're going to get a presumption because there's nothing to base it off of. So I take it really personally when, when, you know, patients come in and it's like, we look at them for their demographics, not so much individualized for their health history. So we differ a lot 
from that perspective. And I think that's because of the medical backgrounds that we have. Um, That's what makes you guys unique. It really does because you're, like I said at the beginning of the show, you guys are boots on the ground. You are doing it day in and day out. So it's different than somebody who, who maybe is just trying to like take up a torch and, Hey, I'm going to help out. You guys are researchers, doctors, you know what you're looking for here. Um, It's crazy. Sometimes I'm like, wait, I'm a what? (laughs) I have to to do what? (laughs) No, it's awesome. It's great. Um, But, and then on the contrary aspect of that is that what does make us unique is that like, you know, Keith and I can sit here and say, oh yeah, remember that time that, you know, like, like for me, like when I was flying in, in Blackhawks, you know, like all that rotor wash and getting mm-hmm. kicked up and all the stuff on the, on the, the FODs and it was just a mess. And, you know, so it's little things like that, that make it unique. Cause one thing that really blew my mind and we fought hard to, to kind of alter this perspective was people are like, oh, burn pits, burn pits, burn pits. And I'm Everything like, yeah, no, they're bad. Pits. Yep. Everything was burn pits, but I'm like, do you remember taking your uniforms and putting them in the, the 50 gallon uh, barrels of DEET, DEET and then hanging them up to dry? And it's just like, it didn't make sense to me. Like we were really doing this. We like, we were putting this into a neurotoxic chemical and then having it dry in the mm-hmm. sun. And you know, when you're out and you're in these operational environments, you're sweating. When you're sweating, your pores are opening. When your pores are opening, that, that, that toxin that's in that DEET is going to go into your skin. It's like, duh, you know, of course. so when people are like burn pits and I'm like, well, no, those fireproof ACs too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, something never sat right with me about yeah. those. Well, it's yeah, like, I, I mean, I was a weird smell. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a mechanic between hydraulic fluid, JP eight, um, yep. you know, de-icing fluid. That stuff was nasty. Uh, the yeah. foam from fire trucks that they used to put out the, that stuff. Like as soon as it touched your skin, it, it burnt your skin. You know, you, you mm-hmm. were red mm. right away. It's, and we, we were taking parts, you know, off of these trucks. And like you said, you're sweating while you're doing it. So your body is just open to take all of this in. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I agree with you. You know, everything is, burn pits is, it's very important. I don't want to take anything away from that, but it's the flashy, get on the burn pit registry. Right. It's, right. you know, so, there's a, a congressperson that wants to have a burn pit uh, bill that goes through. Well, a perfect example is Mark Green, right? He's uh-huh. a K2 veteran, yes. but he's, he was also a Green Beret. I, I was reading his book and it's like, you know, some of the people that we've come across in the past, you know, year are, are mostly high speed operators. A lot of these guys that have passed away are high speed operators. A lot of the ones that I get with cancers are high speed operators. And it's like, okay, I get it. Burn pits. You see them mostly on bases, right? These guys aren't hanging out on the bases. Base. <laughs> they're not on base, you know. They're in there kicking down doors and in, in neighborhoods in Iraq and Afghanistan. And you think about the uh, the leader rounds that you drop in these buildings, and you know, then you're housed there, and you get the asbestos in the air, and you get the sulfur, and you get the depleted uranium and the yeah. chemicals in the sand. So I mean, it's a it's a huge misconception to believe that burn pits are the most d- deadly thing out there. Because I mean, if that were the case, we'd see less operators dying. Of course, you know. Um, so it's it's just it's such a crazy situation. It's so multifactorial and it's 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 intriguing to to look at and be like, wow, this is this is a real issue. And and you know, one of the a guy passed away recently, uh, he was an officer, major star, and he was saying that he loved to run. And I hate running personally. <laughs> I run like a duck, so I hate running, it's awkward for me. But 
you know, you'll get those people who love running and love PTing and, and I get it. Officers are good at some things. And one of the best things they're good at is, is PT. I'll give them that, you know? So when you're running outside on these bases, you know, you think you're doing your, your platoon a solid justice by running with them, getting them physically fit on these, on these, you know, in Moctadilla or Bakuba and let alone you're exposing them to all these toxins because the increased work of breathing, mm -hmm. it's crazy. So it's such a dynamic thing for me. I just, it blows my mind. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's only, it's so amazing to me that with what we saw in Vietnam, what we saw in Gulf War, and then what we saw post 9-11, that it's still something that we have to fight. Like you would think after Vietnam and everything that happened there, that there would have already been this head of steam going into Gulf War, and then there was Gulf War syndrome, and there was things that happened there that they still can't explain, and yet we still have to fight now post 9-11 and almost 20 years post 9-11. I'm not even talking about, listen, I served, I got out in 05, so it was like right after 9-11. You're, you're, you're still taking up this mantle now, 20 years later, for people that served with me. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's multiple levels of awareness too, though. Like, um, you know, cause in that book that I'm reading, so, I mean, we like, yeah, like burn pits, I think is the, the hot button of course. issue. Right. Um, and the positive side of that is if more people are talking about burn pits, then they start to look into what other toxic exposures, of course, you know, ammunition, like if you're expending, you know, hundreds of rounds a day, um, then your, you know, your risk is higher. If you're, you know, if you're in X, Y, Z environment, like your risk is higher, but people don't know about that. Right. Um, so you can look at it like that, where, you know, these like tier one dudes are having kind of the same conditions developed from the same causes as like, you know, like a female support personnel that's, that didn't leave the fob at all. Right. Working uh, POL or something of, like that. Yeah. Like air quality and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Right. Um, but then also, you know, it just like, like I said, different levels of awareness and I hate awareness because nine times out of 10, um, it, it's not followed with action. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can raise awareness all day. You can do these, these weird silky marches, um, to raise awareness for PTSD. But if you, if at the end of that, that event, you go home and then you don't call anybody for six months, then what the hell are you doing? Right. Right. You know, and, and so I have, I have problems with things like that within, within the veteran community. Um, and so, but if you can, you know, if you can bridge, bridge those gaps and you can raise awareness for burn pits and then in turn raise awareness for, you know, things like low T and like all kinds of other health, health issues that everybody else is having, um, then you're doing something good. And then, you know, we're doing the research side of it. We're doing, um, legislative work, stuff like that. Um, because that, I mean, that's, that's only one, you know, everybody knows Agent Orange was used in Vietnam, right? Uh, back to that book I was reading. Everybody knows it was used in Vietnam. What most people don't know, and they, and they know that like it affected veterans because they used it on the jungles and then they, uh, you know, they inhaled it. It was absorbed through, through their skin the mm -hmm. same way all this shit is. Yep. <clears throat> uh, what they don't realize is that like it's still in that goddamn soil. Those jungles still haven't grown back. They were, the government was hitting you know, Vietnamese crops with it because they were trying to deplete the resources of the VC. Um, and it's still causing adverse effects. So like the whole, like, you know, doomed to repeat what you don't learn. That's a real thing. That's why I'm, I'm reading that book. That's why we, we dig into other stuff too. Um, 
is because that like it's just that this is the same thing it's the same thing if we're if if we're not looking at the bigger picture because there are you know there are vietnam veterans who had children with birth defects so it probably makes sense that if we don't take care of this stuff and we don't like work on those preventative measures there are going to be GWAT veterans who are going to pass down mm-hmm. terrible defects to their children and probably already have. Probably, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, because we're 20 years into this, there's a good chance that, that, that it's already occurred. Right. And, and will it be multi-generational? Will it be, you know, how, yeah. how far will it go? Um, well, see, we've seen, so it's funny that you say that because I've seen a lot of um, people, you know, mention the issues with, even getting pregnant in the first place. That's been a huge issue. Um, Huge issue for both males and females. And, you know, it's, it's the unknown etiology. Is it stress related? Is it hormone related? It could be both. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it exposure related? But, you know, not only that, the risk of having a child in Iraq, for instance, and, you know, I read a study that showed that they are 15 times more likely compared to Hiroshima and Nagasaki to have a child born with a birth defect that's crazy. We dropped two atomic bombs too yeah. <laughs> on Japan. It and was, I mean, it's Fallujah, I think. That's like the Fallujah. worst because of because of that fight because they dropped yep. so much ordnance on the city. Yeah, and a study just came out, I think, like two weeks ago, that said depleted uranium isn't related to the global war on terror syndrome, GWAT syndrome, or Gulf War syndrome. Uh-huh. And people automatically assume that it's a safe chemical, and I'm like, well, no, because there's a subset of what they consider symptoms for. Gulf War syndrome, and it's like you know GI issues, headaches, nausea, stuff like that. But depleted uranium overall is such a deadly chemical. I mean, it's not biodegradable, so you know we use it in our tanks and our strikers. And you know, my fiance was an Iraq War vet who served, and he was a um, a guy with three two, and he dealt with strikers and recoveries and all that stuff. So, you know, when you get a striker that's hit, and you got to go recover that, you know, you're literally stepping into a heaping pile of smoking depleted uranium, you know? So the fact that that study said, oh, it was safe, you know, people are thinking that means that the chemical overall is safe, but it's not because just like, just like he said, the biodegradability is like a billion years. So it's sitting in that sand, you know, we still have stuff from the first Gulf war over there hanging out, you know? (laughs) Um, And it's not going anywhere. And and in the buildings and stuff, like in, you know, it's in the architecture, it's embedded. Right. Um, and it's, they actually, no, they it's normal. The like they went, they what? They pulled the teeth from some of these children that, yeah. that had all these congenital heart defects and they had laden metals inside of their teeth and their hair. And it's like, what? Like, how do you even get mm-hmm. that in your teeth? You know, as an infant, it's crazy. And that's, I think about that a lot too, is like, you know, men, like if we, if we've been there, you know, at war for 20 years, guys are doing, you know, 12 month deployments, some of them, you know, two to three, some of them more than that, some of them just one, and they're having these issues. Think about the people that have to continue living there. Right. Right. Like, and that, and that's exactly what we're talking about right now is like, those are the people that are still there. Those are the people that are literally, you know, born into these, these situations. And what's so crazy about the whole thing, and, and you guys are saying it, you know, in the best way possible that, this isn't just something that happened yesterday. This stuff lasts forever. So, yeah. like, when you look at some of these areas that we're going into, Afghanistan, before we were there, the Russians were there. And if you think the Russians were cleaning up as they were walking out the door, you got another thing coming to you. So, you're, 
we were exposed to things that had nothing to do with the war that we were fighting. It's stuff that's been there forever. Iraq, it's Gulf War, it's things Saddam did in the 80s. It's, 80s. It's, it goes back even further than that because all of this stuff just stays there. It doesn't go right. away. Do you ever like smell somebody's brakes going? Of course. Yeah. Or, or yeah. somebody hits their brakes hard or like, mm-hmm. you know, something like in that smell, you're like, oh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to stay with you. But Iraq smells like that all the time. Wow. And so we didn't. You know what I mean? Like it's like you know we're in these dirty places with these this poor poor air quality all the time, mm-hmm. and I think there's something to be said about what becomes normal for people and and their reactions to it. You know, so I think a lot of people until like that burn pit registry came up, I think I'm pretty sure no one even thought about it at yeah. all. Um, and that's a whole other, you know, the, the registry is a whole other thing. But I think before before it was a thing, I don't think anyone thought about it. I don't think it was a, you know, I don't think it was on anyone's radar individually um, right. in terms of what you had been exposed to. Um, no, I never thought about it. Never once. Yeah. No. Well, you know, it's, it's crazy because so like when my fiance, when this whole first thing came up, even as a medic and somebody with this experience, I had no idea that it was deadly, you know, and like I like to think I'm pretty in tune to what's going on, but when he said to me, you know, they did a 15 month stint, they were stop loss and they had to stay over for an extra few months in Iraq. So he came back to Germany in 20, 2008. He was there from uh, early 2007 to late 2008. So when he came back, he said his best friend, 24 years old, his best friend had died from acute respiratory failure. 24 years old. Crazy. that's crazy. crazy like how do you die and like this is a healthy guy like how do you die he's like yeah my friend just he ended up dying as soon as we left iraq and i was like nobody like thought to be like oh why you know <laughs> yeah. why and then you know his team leader ended up getting acute myelogenous leukemia which is directly related to exposures and you know his his sergeant major ended up getting colioangiocarcinoma, which is extremely rare and only seen in 80 year old asian males with hepatitis like b or c or a or one of them you know so it's just, it's such an odd, odd thing to just all these, these rare symptoms and rare occurrences of cancers and like these aggressive cancers. And, you know, I had a, a politician say to me once, well, you know, <laughs> and this kind of, this kind of hit home and it kind of made me mad because I said, well, look at the increased rate of, of these liver and these bile duct cancers and, and stomach, stomach cancers. And, and this politician said to me, well, veterans have been known to drink a lot. And I was like, yes, but, and you know, I was just kind of brought back by it. And I was like, but if that were the case, then why are all these Iraqi males dying from the same thing? Cause they don't drink they alcohol. Don't drink at all. Yo, but I'm going to jump up on my box real quick. I'm going to say sitting, but my theoretical box, <laughs> it really infuriates me when veterans advocate for things like psilocybin things like, um, you know, CBD, like, and, and it's shameful that the, the VA has, has not done research on alternative treatment methods that they are still pumping out opioids, you know, left like and right candy, right. That makes me angry too. However, uh, you have to take responsibility and you can't, as, mm-hmm. as a veteran, you can't advocate for better care. If you are not caring for yourself, if you drink seven monsters a day, <clears throat> uh, and feel targeted that was, that, was, that, was that a shot that might have been and a shot play. no i just started drinking <laughs> something, something in a yellow can earlier so i figured i'd throw one out but uh 
you know, if you, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're, you know, like, I mean, I stopped energy drinks a while ago. Like Mm -hmm. I drank copious amounts of coffee, but I like, I read a study uh, and that study was all I needed because like it, you know, it's kind of like, is this thing making your life better? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't say, yeah, like, you know, no one, no one's life ever got you know, worse when they stopped drinking. Right. Fact. Except the first 24 hours and you have that like DT seizure. <laughs> there's, there's different, <laughs> that's a case by case. Right. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, no, better. um, like I read, I read a, a study about, um, energy drinks, aggravating existing mental health and mental health issues. Absolutely. done see ya like i was drinking monsters red bulls whatever like and and i stopped um and that's not to say they don't have their place like it's not to say they are like the end-all be-all of you know detriment to your health like whatever um but uh but i'm definitely for like doing what i can for myself and then i feel i have you know the right to to say y'all are fucking up and, and you're not doing what you need to do for us right um but I do have, like, I, I do take issue with that quite a bit. And I've had many conversations about, you know, you can't, if you're living a sedentary lifestyle by choice, mm-hmm. you know, not, not because of disabilities, not because of this or that you're living a sedentary lifestyle by choice. You can't advocate for better care from the VA. I mean, you can, I'm not saying you can't advocate for yourself. You absolutely should. However, you need to do the work yourself too. Right. Like there are things that are within your own power. Um, mm-hmm not everybody needs to do crossfit i i also take issue with like the biggest like pt shit bags in my you know my previous units all of a sudden being studs when they get out when they were profile riders the whole time the whole time hey i'm also taking this personally right now i'm like no shit you're copping prs now because you don't have any existing injuries because you never expended any effort but i digress you still have these that work So, but I mean, you know, that's, that's a big thing for me is that like, I don't, um, I don't feel like you have as much of a leg to stand on if you're not taking care of the things that you can take care of yourself. Right. Right. And then, and then we get on all that shit. Like we, then we can, we can advocate for better care from the VA and then we can, you know, do all this legislative work and stuff. But like, we really have to like, as individuals, we really have to start taking better care of ourselves. Like stop putting bullshit in your body. Stop, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, substance abuse is an issue you are at risk for stop drinking multiple, like, you know, every night of the week, mm-hmm. right. it's not good for you. Right. Um, you can, you can ride that red wine for the enzymes <laughs> train to bed all you want, but like, it's just, you know, um, it has, like I said, it has its place, but like, if you're not, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't complain about other people not taking care of you. Yep. And it's, it's so interesting that he says that because, you know, I'll let you on the secret that will be announced later today, but we officially partnered with task force dagger. Um, and awesome. one wow. of the amazing people there, amazing people. And, you know, one of the guys is, a he, he runs a soft health initiative. His name's uh, master Sergeant Jeff Dardia, green beret from third group. And super smart dude he oh yeah absolutely and he put a thing out he has zero medical experience which is baffling because he is brilliant and this is what plays into what keith is saying as soon as you start taking out all that bullshit that you're putting into your body you literally heal your brain you know your inflammation decreases and you just you become smarter you know like mm-hmm. research shows that you take the bullshit out of your body the sugars the carbs you know you decrease those inflammatory foods and you just get smarter it's crazy but the thing about jeff was he put up a post that said 
be mindful of, of who you're following and who you're looking up to and who are these quote unquote foundations and organizations looking to promote mental health because if they're promoting mental health and they're promoting alcohol and a post later, then there's a problem. And I was like, wow, I didn't think about that. And, you know, it really, it put me in check because I was like, I was talking to um, the guys over at Bravo Actual. They're like family to me, you know, I love them. Um, And I sat there and I was like, you know, how can I sit here and preach health and wellness when I live a sedentary lifestyle? And I blame it on my back pain. I have my my 300 pill thing of motion right here and all this. And so I literally went out that same day and got an assault bike. And I was like, I got to get my fat ass to shape, (laughs) you know, like I got to start living this lifestyle that I'm preaching because I believe in it. Mm-hmm. But I need to be able to show that leadership perspective. Like, hey, listen, if I'm going to tell you that that this will help you, that you need, in, you know, your insomnia will be helped by this, but you've got to also do this. I can't be sitting here, you know, doing nothing and feeling bad for myself and all that. So, I mean, it is a lot of personal responsibility, but I think it's also, we're so used to that tribal mindset. So, I mean, like, if Keith isn't telling me, hey, Chelsea, you need to stop drinking a six pack a week, I'm going to be like, you know, six pack a week isn't bad, six pack a day, you know, <laughs> let me adjust that, then I'm going to keep doing it. So a lot of it's like bouncing ideas off of each other and holding each other accountable, just like in the mm. military, you know, so I can, I can cover up my bullshit pretty well. Like, oh, it's only a six pack a day, you know, it's light beer, <laughs> whatever, you know, but if Keith's like, no, it's a six pack a day, a day, you know, and let's go, let's, hold hold me accountable right so that's another good thing about hunter seven is that we're able to kind of bring together that whole thing like hey we're keeping each other in check you know like this is a this is something that we care about it's our community it's our tribe you know let's let's find a way to kind of work together and and build an overall community that cares about each other because you know like the kid veteran with a sign he's a good friend of mine he put up a sign that (laughs) he's so funny he's he put up a sign that said nobody hates a veteran like a veteran (laughs) And I was like, that's so true. It's so true. But, you know, all bullshit aside, it's like, you got to help out each other. You got to hold each other accountable, you know? I talk about it all the time. We eat our own worse than I think any group out there. Nurses are pretty bad, too. Nurses are pretty bad, too. Hospital folk in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I'm telling you, ER nurses are the worst. It is. It is. It, it, it is. If you time. spend any time around a hospital, you see it's like its own little environment. It's its own world and structure, and you have doctors, it's like, and nurses. It's like and, a bar or a restaurant, but with better hand hygiene. Yes, absolutely, definitely, definitely. But it's like it's like a Fayetteville bar, though. You know, there's a lot of swearing. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to think of a good one. Um, Max Speed Shop. There we go. It's like a Max Speed Shop. Clean, very clean, but those people have seen some shit and they swear a lot, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a community thing. You know, you just, you got to think about the community and, and, you know, you cared so much about these people downrange. You got to care about them now too, you know? Right. So. And, and I think it's also, it's so easy to tell somebody else what they need to do. Armchair quarterback. It is so easy. I can, I can tell every one of my friends how to fix their finances, how to, get healthy, start running all this stuff. But if I get in a funk, I don't do anything right. And I, and it's hard for me to call myself out. I have to wait for my wife to start yelling at me and saying, yo, Hey, you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. Stop being a bitch and get, you know, get going on your stuff. (laughs) I 
thought I had uh, rights to, you know, to copyright that uh, method of thinking, but <laughs> like a lot of people actually do that that are like me. It's crazy. It's so, crazy. But like, you know, I find like, I find the same thing. I find if I'm not on a program, like yep. I'm super inconsistent in the gym. Duh. Yep. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> uh, crazy how that works. Uh, but, but then I'm like, then I get anxious about, you know, uh, picking a program or working with a coach. Like, so it's it's and it's all the same and then like same with food same with um you know just just daily routine stuff um if something gets thrown out of whack or if something and i'm like i'm 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 definitely my dad i don't get this from the military i get this from my dad like uh when i start working on something like i'm on it and everything else falls by the wayside so like if i'm really hell-bent on like doing a project and finishing it um everything everything else is done it, it, you get so engrossed in it you get like i, I know i do if, if if i can focus on one thing even if my add takes over and i start like train spotting i can get myself back as long as i'm focusing on my one thing so like you right. said if I'm, I'm in a program if i'm working out whatever the case may be if i say hey i'm doing this body weight program for 30 days for those 30 days i'm good to go my right. problem is the, the 30 days after and I'm like, oh, the program's over. <laughs> I'm good. It's like the, the, the ADD with me. It's like, you know, there's so many things at once that are just being thrown at us. And it's like, you know, as a nurse, I can't, I can't be like, oh, you don't fall under this, our scope of assistance. It's like, I'm a nurse. You know, I care about the, the person first. I care about their health first, their wellness, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, if I can't help you, we're going to find somebody to help you because that's, you know, it, like, not only is it legally my duty, if I'm, if I even talk to you, you know, it's like, uh oh, I gotta, now I own it, you know, but ethically it's the right thing to do and you know we've we've been blessed though to have so many people that have just been so helpful in the community you know and the treatments that we've been able to provide people um you know this year we we uh have a a program in the works with um the home base uh home base program to get veterans treatment there those guys are amazing um you know we have a, a stuff in the working with cleveland clinic through task force dagger um socom care coalition and you know for for the most part, all those programs help operators. So we try to target people that that will accept veterans in general, not just the most high speed of them all. Right. So we've been working with Dr. Weir, Alec Weir, and he's one hell of a doctor. He uh, He's a functional medicine doctor, but he's also an emergency room doctor. So he sees both sides and we get along great in that aspect because we're both like, oh, did you see that person with like the AAA dissection? And then we're like, oh, functional medicine, omega threes, <laughs> you know? Um, so he practices independently through our organization. So we're actually starting a program. We've already put a, f- a few veterans into it where we're paying for their treatment so they can go get treated by Dr. Weir. And it's amazing, amazing stuff. And, you know, it's crazy. Cause like people are like, oh, well, how do you, do you guys apply for grants? Do you guys, you know, apply for all these DOD or, or VA grants? And I'm like, no, a lot of our stuff is actually grassroots. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, when I tell people our top donors, like, like dead reckoning company, like you think about the foundational support that they've given us, you know, that's just one example, but you look at what they're about. And then same thing with black rifle Black-Rifle, coffee, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, and Noveski rifle works, Lorena Noveski gave us almost $23,000 to help veterans. Yeah. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. That was that's the coolest crazy. part of that whole thing is that those, those charitable projects actually intersected. I think that speaks yeah. to the organization, right? Like we were, we were doing, 
uh, War and After and donating all the proceeds from that pre-order and, and the subsequent sales uh, to 107. And simultaneously, Warm Fuzzy and Noveski mm-hmm. were doing their raffle. So, lit- and literally at the same time, within the same time, the same time frame, um, you know, and I think that speaks to an organization that, that two, you know, two separate fundraisers are going on simultaneously. Like that's not coincidence. That's yeah. And, <laughs> that's, and like one day, working together. Yeah. one day I got an email from a random person and it was a, a guy named Matt. And he was like, Hey, listen, I'm looking to donate a decent amount of money to your foundation. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do? And of course, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about this, of course, you know, so I laid it all out. He comes back and he said, originally I was going to donate 10,000, but I'm going to donate 15,000 sent, sent the money right away. And I was like, wow. Okay. okay. Um, strategic, through strategic dark solutions. And it's a company out of Ohio who literally, they do a lot of um, like uh, law enforcement stuff and a lot of stuff with like Kydex for holsters for handcuffs and training. And it's just like stuff like that. And so I said to him, I was like, you know, like, well, wh- tell me what you want us to do with this money specifically. Like, you know, he's like, I want you to help Marine Corps veterans. So, okay. So literally we had uh, our friend, Ben, who sadly suddenly passed away um, a few, few weeks back, unexpectedly for sure. Um, you know, we were helping him get treatment and paying for his stuff and, and, you know, just making sure that he was all squared away with his family. Cause he has, you know, three kids and a wife and it's just the community as a whole, the way it comes together is, is unbelievable. And same thing with Bravo actual, they push back a lot of money in sales to us. Um, it's just, it's an incredible feeling, you know, it, it it's such a grassroots community. And, you know, one of the biggest, funniest things that blew my mind was we had a period in October or November, I I forget what it was, but there was just a meme bracket page, like a NCAA type of bracket and this meme page, another SF meme page. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you remember that? So he was pushing out like, Hey, go donate to this organization, go donate, go donate, go help them out. And literally we racked in over 10 grand wow. through a bunch of independent donors from a meme through, that, bracket? through a meme bracket. Yeah. And like, it was, yeah. They and like, good. I was just like, what? And in weapons outfitters, um, you know, they're another great organization. They've donated almost five grand and, you know, not good company, Alex over there. He literally mm. creates misfits shirts that a friend of ours painted and he's he's raised over ten thousand, and I mean, like these people in the community are helping the community. Right. You know, it's right. just such a, an amazing feeling. You know, because we don't have crazy donors on the outside; everything's really internal at the ground level. So, and, and we've re- been blessed. Re- research and legislative action takes money. I don't think research, people realize that. Yeah. Research is more time consuming. Time, time, and, yeah. And I mean, like when I say I work forty hours a week doing god knows what <laughs> you know like um whether it's the 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 mab with the uh the covid antibodies and, and regeneron or whether it's in the er a lot of the time like today is all research days all mm-hmm. research um which is it's just so time consuming yeah. you know yeah but the legislative stuff that's just that's that's emotionally draining <laughs> mentally sure, draining sure. Uh, but the healthcare, you know, our capstone uh, programs is, you know, immediate needs, education and research um, and immediate needs definitely takes priority in terms of funding. But in terms of longevity, education and research is, is so time consuming and it's it's our end state goal. You know, like we want to be able to to prevent these issues from becoming terminal. We want to make sure we catch them early on through education, through research, evidence based practice. 
and stop them from, from dying so soon. You know, we lost Patrick Duva, 29 years old, brain cancer. He was misdiagnosed for three years with PTSD, TBI. He ended up losing his vision. He ended up, you know, his, his migraines were so severe, but they misdiagnosed him over and over and over again. So he ended up dying at 29 years old. That shouldn't happen. We no. need a better, we need a better, better system to, to screen these people, you know? And that's um, what PJ was talking about so much when, yeah. I, when I sat down with him was that, you know, I don't care about being rated at 100%. I've, I've had this conversation with my wife multiple times. I don't care about that. Uh, listen, it, would the money be nice? Sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm, I, I'd be completely lying to you if I turned around and said, no, I'm not going to take that money. I'm going to yeah, take that money. money. But yeah. the biggest thing that I want is the screening. I want yeah, yeah. a heavy metals test. I want to be able to walk in and get all the weird environmental tests that I know that I can't just walk into my primary care physician and say, hey, want to order these up? Not going to happen. Right. right. And my insurance probably isn't going to pay for it. So right. how are you doing these very expensive tests? How are you finding the facilities that actually will perform this stuff? The VA is actually a good place to get these tests done. They know what they're doing. They've been doing this for years. Right. You just got to be allowed to do it. <laughs> well, it's so every we send out a lot of stuff like a lot of we do a lot of like smaller like t-shirt sales and stuff like that and stickers and info we send out information with every single package right. but we also send out depending on where your zip code is i have a list of all the environmental healthcare mm-hmm. coordinators in the country so i'll literally write out that person's closest environmental healthcare coordinator and i'll have them say hey listen here's their name email location and phone number call them call them <laughs> you yeah. know it's like because I'm a vet. I know how it is. If you don't put it right in front of me, I'm not going to do it. You know, if you're not like, Hey, here it is, you know? So, and it's, it's a big deal, you know, and and you got to be your own biggest advocate. And if something's wrong, you know, your body better than anybody else. You know, you know, your body, you can't have some doctor or some resident and you know, the VA is a teaching hospital. So they do have a lot of residents that, that rotate in and out. And I use the VA for some of my things, but statistically only a quarter of Iraq Afghanistan veterans use the VA. Yeah. It's very so that's, low. Yeah. You're, you're missing a lot of people in the yeah. civilian ERs and civilian acute care facilities. And it's, it's a uphill battle, but we're finally starting to break through the whole presumptive compensation pension, you know, and, and we're all disabled veterans here, right? All three of us. I love money too. Sure. I, of course, <laughs> you know, but I also, want to make sure that I can have children. I want to make mm-hmm. sure that my fiance can have children, that he'll, he'll live long enough to see his children. Of course. You know, it, it, it he, you know, it's just, I, I value life. And when I talk to the, the, the widows, the survivors, when I talk to, you know, Miranda Shewer, when I talk to Colleen Bowman, when I talk to Haley Page and, and Jessica Griswold, they all tell me the same thing. There is no amount of money that can bring back their loved one. No. None. And they'd give up everything and anything to, to give back their loved one, yeah. you know? And when you hear it like that, it's like, yeah, you know, I get it. I do. And yeah. right now, it, public health wise, we're treating people tertiary, you know, we're, we're just throwing the medications, throwing them compensation mm-hmm. pension, but why aren't we jumping to secondary? Why aren't we starting at secondary and screening for these issues, preventing these terminal chronic illnesses, you know, identifying early on, and then giving them compensation pension, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's such a messed up system. And it's the people that that don't have the military experience, the people that don't have the medical experience that are trying to push these legislative laws. And 
you know, I, I, I don't, I didn't really know who John Stewart was at first. <laughs> I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't have time. <laughs> so, mm. you know, when he was on TV yelling about all this stuff and yelling at these politicians and I was like, well, yeah, but have you been there? Have you done that? Have you treated these patients? Have you seen mm. these patients? You haven't, right. you know, like, right. like, please let, let me do my job as a nurse and, and let me care for the patients that I, I care so much about. Like, give me the tools through research and education to, to provide this care, you know? Right. And there's also a level of you can only berate politicians in an angry fashion for so long before they tell you to go screw yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And unfortunately, the way of the world is we need those politicians to pass these laws to get our funding, to get the things that we need. You cannot do it without them. You right. can badmouth them at your dinner table. You can scream and yell. You can like this one, dislike that one. You can think that your party's the best and the other party's the yep. worst. But without both parties and without right. both the House and the Senate and the president, you're not getting shit done. It is not happening. Right. You know, and, you know, I get it because I'm, I'm from Boston. So I'm very, you know, I'm an aggressive driver. You know, I'm very, you know, gung-ho, all that good stuff. And I, you're from the same area, Keith. So don't even. Uh, no, I don't fit anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, so I'm very, I'm very like, hey, let's do this. I'm very intense. So my grandmother said to me once, you're more likely to get farther with sugar than vinegar. And I was like, okay, Graham, you know, it's an old school saying, but she's right. I, who am I to go yell at these politicians? Half the time, you know, their, their aides don't even tell them what's going on or who's yelling at what, you know? And so, I mean, like respectfully, it's like, don't be an asshole. Hey, don't be an asshole. These are, you know, like, don't, just don't be an asshole. That's a you know? basic principle of life. You will it's get a, a lot farther principle. in life if you're just not an asshole all right. the time. And I mean, like, as a veteran, like, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't do it. You know, like, let's let's be proactive. Let's work together. You know, yeah. don't bash the VA. Don't bash the DOD. It is what it is. You can't change the past. You can't yeah. impact the future. <laughs> and I think there that that's a big one, too, is, like, the stigmatization of the VA, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. and now, now it's just, like, it's a running joke. And there's such a low percentage. It's like, what do you guys even know? You know, mm-hmm. oh, you, like you got your claim kicked back. So, but what about care? Are you going for care? Right. Um, you know, so it's, uh, I always tell the story. Like when I, um, when I got into Volk Rehab, I wanted to give good positive feedback about how accommodating the whole office mm-hmm. was, right? The receptionist um, who did all the intake work, my counselor, like I wanted to like let, their superiors know like that they did a great job and like and it was a really good experience um there's no outlet for that there's no process and i don't know if that's every department in the va or if it was just that one particular you know i've never seen rehab there is no process to get positive feedback what are you only negative That's, that's Only the negative. They were in the in the supervisor when I finally got in contact with her because nobody could figure out who to let me you know talk to. When I when she finally contacted me, she was bewildered. She was like, "Do you have a complaint or not?" And I was like, "No, I don't have a complaint." I'm trying to like, say something good here. I'm about to. Yeah, I'm about uh, to complain about you. <laughs> I'm about to complain about this process, but like, no, I'm like, I literally just I'm like, here, copy paste what I originally said. I just want to let you know that everyone in this office is doing a stellar job, like, and they are doing their job and above and beyond, mm-hmm. um, you know, working on like overloaded caseloads and like, and now they're working from home, like, mm-hmm. you know, doing a good job. 
Um, but I think everybody needs to consider that too. Like, uh, you don't talk shit to your waitress. So like consider what people are dealing with and don't get me wrong. There are, there are veterans affairs facilities that are atrocious, of course, you know, people who, but it's, it's also a toxic culture, you know, Mm -hmm. like Chelsea's probably seen it. Like, you know, you in certain departments, in certain, um, places in hospitals, it's, you know, one bad apple, like turns the rest rotten because, you know, especially if they're in a training position, if they're in a mentoring position, because then you learn those bad habits prematurely. Um, and, and that's why they don't, you know, they're not supposed to just select anyone for, you know, field practicums for students and stuff. Uh, so it's, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that's a big one though, is, you know, actually giving, giving them a little bit of faith there there are a lot of things that the va has not done well um but if you also have to remember you're getting paid to go to school uh you know there are there are places you can get care uh not every not every hospital is the same mm-hmm. um just like, like providence is great yeah Boston's great yeah, you might you know, here on long island is yeah is they're very good, good very good you might get hepatitis from one denny's in new jersey yeah. but then then you can go to delaware and they might they serve you a five-star meal you know what i mean I'm like i'm not it's, gonna stop going to denny's so, no i mean no you know it's not gonna happen <laughs> absolutely not so you know what i mean it's not you can't you can't judge um the entire organization are there things the 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 upper level organization need to be doing better absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's in the works and we need to all, you know, educate ourselves and, and make sure that we're doing what we can to um, empower others to, to hold them accountable or hold them accountable ourselves. But, um, but that doesn't mean that you like shouldn't go there for care. Yeah. Right. Don't spite yourself because you're mad right. at an overall system. Right. right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, it's, and it's so, it's so true. And, you know, it's like, like what we were saying, you got to hold yourself accountable. You know, I see so many posts and so many people yelling and so many news articles that are so negative, you know, like, oh, hold the VA accountable. The VA is is so backlogged. It's the biggest healthcare system in the country. And it's the second mm. biggest governmental, you know, department. And I mean, I get Boogie it. Man. I, I get it. But I mean, like, you got to hold yourself accountable too. Like, don't sit there while you're smoking a cigarette. You know, it's your first pack of the day. And you're smoking that whole pack and you're like, I'm blaming the VA for my lung cancer. And it's like, okay, but let's work together and stop smoking a pack a day, you know, stop vaping, stop, you know, like, let's be proactive. Don't be your, don't spite yourself, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, It's such a, it's such a tedious process. And I mean, with the politicians, you know, they're not working against us. They're not as much as people may believe it. You know, they're not, they're really not. Um, you know, but you can't bring a problem and say, Hey, this is a problem and I want it fixed. You can't bring a problem without a solution. You know, like that's military 101. Like if you have a problem, bring a solution, let's brainstorm. And, you know, myself and Keith were on a call with, um, a girl named Sophie. She was the, uh, she's the, uh, one of the top people over at, uh, representative, um, yeah, Dean Phillips over at his office. And (laughs) And she, we sat there and talked to her for about an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And it was, she was very proactive in the term that she was like, okay, I hear your problem and I hear your solution and here's my problem. And here's my solution. Let's kind yeah. of all work it together and find a way to make this work. And I was like, I like you, <laughs> you know, yeah, we can work, um, we can do something here. Yeah. 
Yeah, like they're not against us. Just don't yell at them. Have some respect. Yeah. You know, have some respect for yourself. You I know? had to have a conversation with my mom right after the heart attacks and all of that. I was talking to her about the Air Force for some reason. And she was like, I don't even want to hear about the Air Force. Because she has it in her head that they did this to me. Yeah. I don't want to hear about it. And I'm like, I had to tell her. I was like, Ma, I wouldn't trade my time in the Air Force for anything right. in this world. I yeah. said, I loved every minute of it. I said, I'd do it again. Yeah. I said, just because something bad happened. And, and, and again, and I said it to her, I said, and we don't know for 100% that this might have just something that might have happened to me. Exactly. And I mean, but your, and this is the thing, like your story isn't, isn't that different from, you know, uh, Miranda Schuer uh, after Ron passed away, you know, you're thinking Medal of Honor recipient, uh-huh. Secret Service, high speed guy. She said, Ron, Ron would never go back and change. And he said that he would never yeah, go back no. and change his career path or what happened to him if he knew the outcome. Never. You know, and the same thing with Rob Bowman. He he loved serving his men. That was his thing. On his deathbed, he told his wife, "Don't be angry. I loved serving my men in, in in combat." You know, and it's it's such a selfless service way of thinking, and and it's true. I mean, if I knew that I'd break my back, would I still do it over again? Yeah, I would. Of course, I would. I had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of fun. But I met amazing people, and I learned amazing things. Yeah. You know, I would never go back and trade that ever. And and that's the thing. It's like I don't want to be looked at as a victim. I don't, you know, I, cause I'm not a victim. I'm not, you know, it, I could, it could be the same thing as if I was at work and I got a stuck with a needle, you know, it's, okay, <laughs> I mean, tomorrow. one's more yeah. serious than the other, right. Or yeah. I got assaulted by a psych patient, which happens all the time. You know, it's, I'm not a victim. We're not victims, mm-hmm. you know? And I just don't want to be angry all the time about crap. Right. Yeah. There's enough right. to be angry about, you know what it's I mean? A- yeah, I don't want to just can get have angry this... over nothing, so I don't need to. I don't need the ac- extra in my life that yeah. are going to make me angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, so what are some of the things legislatively that we're doing right now that Hunter Seven is involved with? Um, you know, because we've been talking a lot about that legislative side of it and how important it is. What are some of the main things that we could see on the horizon that we're we're kind of working? Yeah, so. Being that we're a nonprofit, we do not lobby. Okay. We do not do all that stuff because nonprofits aren't supposed to do that. Um, we are technically subject matter experts. Uh, so, you know, when we have, when there's a problem, we can say, hey, listen, we can offer our services for free and give you the, the best evidence-based research that you can find in the world. Here we are. Um, and that's what we do. So we have a, a good idea of, of what we believe will work. Um, it's the first of its kind, and it's still kind of in in a production. You know, we're we're still working on that. Uh, well, Keith's working on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so but we we are working with a lot of members uh, in appropriations and the the SVAC and HVAC Veterans Affairs Committees, um, Health uh, Committee. Um, there's a few politicians we're trying to target, and there's a few politicians on the up and coming side. Like I don't know if you know the name Joe Kent. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard it. Yeah, his wife Shannon um, was one of the first female operators to to get killed in combat. And um, Catalina Lauf, she's out of Illinois, and I really like Catalina because she's running against a woman named uh, Lauren Underwood. And Lauren Underwood is a, a nurse, and she was very um, unresponsive when I tried to reach out to her a few times. And I was like, as a nurse, I feel offended. <laughs> you know, like we're supposed to be like sisters. Like, what are you doing? Like as a nurse, I'm offended. So I like Catalina. She is gung ho about veteran healthcare, um, as is Joe. And so, I mean, 
a lot of people are, are up and coming and, and, and really taking a look at, at veteran healthcare overall. So we have a lot of things moving forward in terms of um, the upstream approach, education, wellness is a big one, secondary prevention, big one. We have a few pieces of bill, a uh, few few bills that are in the in the in the mix of things. Um, Keith, what do you have to add to that? Uh, no, just that one that we're working on, um, fine tuning that and hoping it actually goes through this time after last year was a dumpster fire. So no, fact, fact, yeah. it was a dumpster. The beginning one's not off to a very good start. No, but... we did not excel at the beginning oh. of 2021. Well, we, we were we were going to push that bill, our bill with uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who's who's an amazing individual. Yes. I wish she ran again. That Joe um, Rogan we, interview is still one of my she's, favorites. She's spot on. Awesome. You know. I, I like her a lot. She's a hot, hot ticket. Um, very you know, somebody's good when like she's a, when, when they're a Democrat and like all veterans are still like, yeah, she's good. Yeah. She's yeah. Good. She, I really like her uh, as a person. Her staff was amazing too, but she was going to push our bill through um, the uh, NDAA, but the committee came back and was like, people are flipping out, yelling at members of Congress on the hill about burn pits so everything burn pit related got squashed yeah. and i was like you see how these people ruin things i was like stop doing that stop yelling let's stop get yelling. some work done use your inside voice <laughs> like come on um so this year like i think we may have a call scheduled this afternoon with uh rep stivers who's also a one-star general in the ohio guard so <sighs> moving busy busy day <laughs> and i I want to say this because when I first, Chelsea, I think I talked to you on the phone back in like, I want to say it was like September. And I was, tell, I was telling you about uh, some sleep problems that I had. And you told me about your partnership with um, Bravo uh, Actual and yes. their supplement company and Rackout. Mm -hmm. And I got it. And I'm a fan. My wife yells at me when I don't take it um, yeah. because it has helped with even my snoring. Yeah. It has helped with not getting up as much definitely so sleep cycle you know as as far as staying asleep because that was always my big problem was so for anybody out there that is looking for some type of a non-habit forming sleep aid and shameless plug go go check out rack out because it's awesome we worked very hard 450 plus days on that product and you know the feedback I got was, Hey, I got a traumatic brain injury. I got PTSD. I got chronic pain and I have insomnia. And I was like, okay, yikes. That's a big, you know, and one of the biggest issues is, Hey, I can't shut down. I can't sit still. I can't, you know, calm myself. So we created this supplement based off the research. And I literally have a binder right behind me. It's thick like this. And, and the guys who own Bravo actual, they're all federal agents and they're all uh, veterans. So, I mean, I sat there with Brandon and I said, listen, this is the issues. Let's go through, look at these natural, you know, chemicals in the body and what we can do to impact it. And we had, we, we found 15 ingredients and uh, 10 of them are the half-life is under eight hours. So it's in and out of your body within eight hours. The rest of them, they have a, a longer half-life. Um, but we targeted those things like magnesium and zinc, you know, we targeted um, types of additives that would cause vasodilation mm -hmm. versus vasoconstriction so you can actually relax and calm down and um it, it was it's been a great hit and i funny funny thing one of the biggest uh impactive factors is that it's like a natural it's a natural testosterone booster but it's like a natural um what's that what's that medication you you take for for low sex drive what do you what do you call it the purple pill there what, what is it Oh, Viagra. Viagra, yeah. It's like a natural Viagra. 
And so that I've gotten that comment so many times from guys. They're like, Hey, thanks for this product. It works so great. It's like, it's, you know, my wife loves it. And I was like, Oh, she takes it. And, and they're like, no. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, I mean, I take it every night, you know, it's evidence-based. It's the only product on the market that was actually created by veterans with medical licenses. <laughs> That's awesome. And like I said, for somebody that does shift work regularly, I rotate through three shifts. I do a week of each one. So it's like, it's kind of the worst case scenario for sleep. Yeah. Um, and what's, like you said, what's nice is it's in and out of the system. So I know I'm not going to wake up all kind of groggy and crappy when I got to get up for my midnight shift at right. 9.30 and I, you know, didn't go to sleep until 12. Um, right. So yeah, no, I've definitely been a fan Um I have it upstairs in the in the kitchen waiting for my tea. I I actually take yep. it warm. Yep. I like it as a tea. Um so I'm 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 definitely a fan. Uh, awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll get, keep taking that one. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I've kept you over an hour. All right. We this has been a fun conversation. Uh, <laughs> I I I was just looking down at my outline and I didn't even ask you one of the questions on there just because we were just <laughs> talking. And and that I, I prefer that to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I think that's a better way of getting information out. Um, you know, it's more natural that way to me. Right, uh, right. It's, and, and both of you are awesome. I, I, I love talking to you. I could talk to you probably forever. Um, but uh, I want to give you an opportunity, two things, closing remarks from both of you, but I also, where can people get more information? If they need help, uh, Keith, you said you do a lot of kind of intake and stuff like that. So if people need help um, with whatever's going on in their life, how can they get in touch with, with Hunter seven um, donations, especially if people are interested in helping you guys out, because like you said, and, and you talked about it's grassroots, the money's got to come from somewhere to do all this stuff. Um, so where can they go for that? Um, Keith, I'll go to you first. Um, yeah, please. Yeah. So there's contact boxes on, on the website. There's a new website that's dropping, I think Friday. this week. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, um, and there's a lot of really, really good content on there. Um, a lot of that research that we're talking about will be on there. Um, there's other research, um, lots, lots and lots of information. Uh, so if you're the type of person that, that looks for that kind of stuff, instead of, you know, wanting to just hear it from someone it's, it's there. Um, you know, the initiatives that Hunter seven has, uh, merchandise that, you know, helps fundraise, um, different events going on, things like that. Um, yeah, so, and, and super active on social media, I think probably the most, uh, on Instagram, Instagram. not as much on, on Facebook, uh, or Twitter. So Instagram and is that Paul is, uh, who runs that? He used to, okay. he took a, a personal break. So now I'm trying to figure out how to use a Hootsuite to, but that's what we have <laughs> Megan for Megan. Yeah. We call her the hammer. That's, nice. that's her. That's my daughter. She's only like, <laughs> she really, she's only like four foot like yep. 10 but she is a i don't know she's a mean. she's not me she she is she hasn't been <laughs> to me. I, I, I do what i'm supposed to do so I she's like a, she's ceo she runs it yeah. like she's she's hardcore so i'm like like you know i'm an e5 she's like our our sergeant major you know cool. so she's like hey you know chelsea let's go you know and i'm like okay my add <laughs> so um <laughs> But there will be more stuff, especially on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is a great place for us to share uh, mm -hmm. academic resources, yes. like downloadable um, for people that like to read the nerdy outlines and papers. We do that. Twitter is very um, good for, I think, political action. I don't know. I don't know how to use any of this stuff. 
as so, well as if you're like a professional who has something to that you think you might be able to contribute um those are like linkedin is is definitely uh definitely a good place and, and the website as well very cool um whether it's research or otherwise mm. yeah um chelsea any last thoughts anything like that or something that we missed something that you want to highlight anything please know you understand your exposures mm. um Actually, that's Meg's new thing. Her new tagline is, you know, understand your exposures. Cause I was like, I'm going to give you a 10 page paragraph about exposure. She's like, no, simple, mm -hmm. plain, concise, know your exposures, understand your exposures. Um, that's the biggest thing. So we're dealing with a lot of stuff that's scary to a lot of people. It's scary to me. Every time I pick up a book and I read about it, I'm like, oh shit, this could be anybody I love. You know, yeah. this could be me. Un understand your exposures and, and look at it in the sense of, Hey, it's just a, another thing to look at to understand and drive through don't don't let it stop you drive through it you know you think something's wrong with you you know your body better than anybody else you drive through it you go get the treatment that you need if you can't get treatment that you need please reach out to us because we do have resources um even though they're limited financially we do have resources um so we triage people based on severity mm -hmm. and we'll help you get the care you need hands down yeah so uh, that's awesome guys Thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it. I've been looking forward to talking to both of you about this stuff. So uh, I've had a great time talking to you and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Thank thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, of course. And stay as busy as you are. <laughs> it's good though. It's good. I'll keep you out of trouble. That's what my father always tells me. I need a vacation. Me. I need a vacation. <laughs> I think we all do. Let's go to Tahiti yeah. or something. But uh, <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Yeah, thanks. take care, Daisy. <laughs>
it takes a lot of time to do the work that they're doing, okay? They are invested in this, so please help them out if you can. Um, again, go over to 107's website. For more information, uh, you can always check out our website, uh, Bulletproof Veteran. There's links and all sorts of stuff. If you if you can't remember website names, you can go on our link page. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff there that you can just click on and get right to. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Another great interview. Uh, I have a great one for you next week. So I hope you guys are just going to be kind of waiting, listen to this one, and then get right into the next one. All right. The video for this episode should be out shortly, and I hope you guys enjoy that. If you want to see uh, Chelsea and Keith, um, Nobody wants to see me, so uh, you know you can look at their uh, faces instead of mine. But uh, we are uh, still kicking along. I hope, uh, again, that you guys enjoy everything that we're doing. I enjoy doing it for you. Uh, but uh, for Bulletproof Veteran Podcast, my name is Jason, and thank you for your service.